Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Amaster. I'm a pastor here. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. And that step today, it could be one just where you're first starting attending church for the first time in a long time. It could be starting a relationship with God today. It could be maturing or acting on your faith today. But we all have a step that we hope we can prompt you on today as you're here. This month, it's kind of a strange month here at Centerpoint. Before I tell you why, I want, first want to share July, it tends to be statistically the lowest attended month in the church, just in the general church. As a church, we believe Sundays are super important because it's the place where people tend to start a relationship with God. They, they grow in a relationship with God. They worship Him. They connect with other people who are followers of Him. So Sundays are a huge deal. And instead of just assuming defeat for July because I hate losing, I do, uh, we want to do everything we can to attempt to get you, you here, your friends here, to help you connect with God and His ways. So even though statistically it's a time where people are just busy or maybe thinking about God less, we are fighting this in a way that we've seen work in the past. We've done a series that we've been calling At the Movies. We used to like call it like Blockbuster because... That used to be a thing? Is Blockbuster, can you even say that anymore because it's not a place? I, I don't know. But in the summer, a lot of Blockbuster movies tend to come out. And so we're doing this series called At the Movies where we'll look at different movies and see what biblical truths we can notice in them and apply to our life. Uh, and a perk of doing a series like this is popcorn in church. I don't know if you smelt it like as you walked in. Oh, it smells so good. It smells fresh. So while I show you a little trailer, a preview of the movie that we're looking at this week, the host will come down and they'll deliver some popcorn to you if you'd like. Check it out. Our lives are the sum of our choices. Ethan, this mission of yours is going to cost you. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. Ethan, what's your objective? What's your ultimate objective? We basically just saw the whole movie, or at least all the cool parts, so no need to go to it, right? <laughs> Kidding. I actually, I'm super excited. Who's like a fan of Mission Impossible? That's what we're covering today, the, the first mission, or we're actually looking at the latest one. There's apparently six of them. Uh, there's six Mission Impossibles out there. Uh, but who's like a fan of maybe just Tom Cruise in general? Like you're like, who maybe like has newfound hope in Tom Cruise after seeing Maverick last year? 
right? That, that's kind of me. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen the new Mission Impossible movie yet, but I want to. Has anyone seen it yet? Okay, no diehards in the room. But there are a number, like I said, a number of others. There's six others. And what happens is it all revolves around a mission, a mission that seems daunting or difficult or big or impossible, obviously, right? Uh, hence the name. But there's a task, or as he said in the movie, an ultimate objective. What's your ultimate objective is what they said in the trailer. As you think about you right now, have you ever felt there was a mission in life that feels like one of those words I said prior, or impossible? It could be the impossible task of trying to understand maybe why women in your life cry. That's me, because I have two daughters at home. They cry all the time. It's all the time. I heard someone once say that if you cannot explain to dad why you're crying, then you can't cry. You got to be able to explain it to dad. And my wife told me, She's like, it doesn't work that way, and she kind of showed me it doesn't work that way either, but it's an impossible task to understand sometimes. For you, maybe it's not that. For you, maybe it's the impossible task of walking through your hallway, like, without stepping on something. Like, lately, like, there's a new rage of, like, things where people made this a game. Like, let's blindfold people and see if you can walk across the floor without stepping on a mouse trap. This is real life for me. Like, we have a hallway, and it's like you're at night, trying to get up to check on the girls, and tripping on everything. Uh, maybe that's not you. Maybe for you, it's you're trying to find one more spot where maybe you could put that bag of fast food you just bought or that cup of coffee in your car, but you just can't because it's gotten so messy and your car is piling up. I mean, these are silly, but they seem like impossible missions in the moment. But to get a little more serious, they are generally seen as impossible because we feel confined to the set of circumstances in the moment. And we haven't really strategized or reflected on what our options are or what work we can do ahead of time. Like clean your hallway up or schedule a time to clean out your car and then you'll have room for the next thing. Or you can potentially try to talk it through with your daughters why they are crying, which Works sometimes and sometimes not. It's still impossible. But, but as we think about our life like mission impossibles, what comes to mind for you? For you, is it to save your marriage? For you, is it to rescue where you're at financially? Is it to find joy again? Is it to reconnect with that person that's been lost? Is it to recreate a positive culture in your home or your workplace? Is it to find friends? Is it to get spiritually deep and close with God again? These can feel like mission impossibles to us, our personal mission impossibles. What's yours? Because whatever it is, I want you to hold on to that for a bit. Because I want to tell you a story in the Bible where we see God gives what seems to be a mission impossible with an, exp an expectation for us to achieve it. What happens is in uh, uh, where we're picking up in the Bible is it's after Jesus. He does all his Jesus stuff. Like he's, his ministry happened on earth. He heals people. He, he helps people who are hurt and sick. He teaches people who are lost. He calls out evil. He lives perfectly on earth, but then dies for the sins of the world. So that when judgment comes to people and for their sins, People in Jesus can have their sins forgiven. People have this, uh, will have their, their sins taken away from them forever because Jesus takes that consequence. That's where we're picking up. What happens is he proves that he's God and actually has the ability to do this 
by coming back to life. And says, those who are with me will also defeat death. And he does that by returning and showing up to his people again. It must have been amazing, right? Like, can you picture that for a second? Like, you're, you're like seeing Jesus show up after he died and boom, he's there around you and your bros. You get excited about that, right? Like, you're witnessing that in person. It's like the hero of the world shows up, the hero that you've heard about and have been waiting for for years and that you know the world needs. And when they come, you're like, yes, yes, let's save the world, right? Like, just like if Iron Man showed up or Superman or whoever, you're thinking, let's correct all the wrongs together. Let's fix all the hurt and the pain and the evil in the world. You are excited because this supernatural being that can do anything, is on your team. If I'm a disciple of Jesus in that moment, this is what I'd be feeling. Ain't no stopping us now. Let's go. The team is together. Jesus is here. But Jesus changes the plans a bit. And this is where we're going to pick up. It's in Matthew 28. Check out what he says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, all right, right? Like, let's go, Jesus, you and us, let's go change the world together. Let's go. But then it continues. It says this, Therefore, go. Wait, what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, I think I'm following you here, Jesus. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Okay, you applied something again there, Jesus, that makes me a little nervous. Again, if I'm a disciple, I'm a bit confused. You're with us always, Jesus, because you're staying here with us, right? And then what happens is that chapter, that entire gospel of Matthew, it just ends. It just ends there. Well, spoiler alert, Jesus leaves. (laughs) But we can read about what happens next in the book of Acts. It's this account after Matthew or after the gospels, but it picks up where Matthew left off. And it says this in Acts 1-6. When they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? As in, are you going to make the world right again? Like, in my mind, someone stands up and says, I must have heard you wrong, Jesus. You're staying here with us, right? Like, you're not going anywhere. You must stay here. I mean, that would be me. Wouldn't that be you? Like, you know there are things that need to be done through Jesus. You have a plan to fix things with Jesus on your team. Yet, is it the plan of God or is it just your plan? How Jesus responds is, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, Jesus is implying the mission to you and to them. And the mission is to go in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I don't know if you're hearing this, But he's saying, you have a mission, and that mission is to reach the world with my message, with Jesus' message. It says this next. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. I picture this going down something like this. 
right? Like, you're just like, what is, where are you going? What? But then it says this, it says, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen them go into heaven, or him go into heaven. So Jesus will come back the same way you saw him go, it says. Well, I'm sure in this situation, the disciples are like, when? So when's he coming back, right? And if we do a little bit more like research here, we're studying here, uh, before we kind of apply this, what's happening here is, is I'm guessing a few of the disciples are like, oh yeah, didn't just a few weeks ago, like didn't you, John, or Bartholomew, didn't one of you guys ask Jesus about when the end will come, when Jesus will return? Because four chapters before this, Jesus told some of the disciples when the end will come. He said this, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he says things like this over the next couple of verses. These things will be noticeable. He says this, Many will come claiming to be the Messiah. You will hear of wars and threats of wars. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Arrests, persecution, and killings will happen of Christians. Uh, You will be hated all over the world. Many will turn away from God or go against God. False prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. These are some of the signs. He's giving us clues, which I know a lot of people really like trying to predict the end times of when they'll come. And these could be helpful if you study them. Or it could also be extremely scary because they seem like now-ish, right? Some of those seem like now. But in the end, an exact prediction by us isn't that important because scripture tells us however no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen not even the angels in heaven or the son himself only the father knows so no one knows so don't waste your time on that but there's one other big clue that goes back to again our mission to reach the world it says this in Matthew 24:14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. It's saying Jesus will come back when the gospel is shared or witnessed to the entire world. And if we go back to the first verses we looked at, we're responsible for sharing the gospel. So in a sense, we have a bit of responsibility for when the end times come. We have been given a giant task, a giant mission. I don't know about you, But to reach the world with the gospel, wow, it seems impossible. It seems impossible. Back then, I don't know how the disciples felt about it as they were first hearing this, but to them, the world as they knew it was probably like this, like those colored in areas. To us, we know it's not just that. We know it's all things, right? We know it's more than that. How much optimism do you have in reaching all of that? Like there are some people that have done some research that say there are as many as 24,000 different people groups and tribes in the world. And if you're looking at that same graph, it shows us that 8,000 are potentially still unreached. So between 30 and 50% based off of what research you go to, people are currently still unreached. Wow. At first glance, this seems like a mission impossible to reach that many people groups. But is it? 
Personally, I, I see we have an, an impossible-like mission, but I'm not one to just sit back and not participate or give up. And the more you reflect on Scripture, the more I think you will be able to see it's actually possible. It's actually possible. There are some skills and abilities God has given us to accomplish this mission. He's given us some tools we need. And what's great about these tools that he gives us to save the world, I believe are the same tools that he's given us to accomplish the impossible like missions in our own personal lives as well. And I think the three main tools that you should be aware of um, are going to be helpful. But as we go through them, what's fun and, and for the sake of our series is we can see them actually portrayed in the Mission Impossible movie. So we're going to kick off with our first one. It has something to do with a scene like this. Check it out. Awesome. Right? That is so cool. Now... It's an amazing stunt, an amazing feat. Yet check out how it was done. This is far and away the most dangerous thing we've ever attempted. We've been working on this for years. We're gonna shoot it in Norway, and it'll be a motorcycle jump off a cliff into a base jump. I wanted to do it since I was a little kid. It all comes down to one thing. The audience. There's a lot. The reason I show you the second video is the stunt is not really possible, like in real time. Like maybe like one out of every a hundred times in like the perfect setting that everything lines up. But the movie it performs an impossible stunt. Was anyone besides me like a daredevil growing up? Like you just like love trying impossible stunts? That, that was me. It wasn't really with motorcycles, but I'd see stuff like this and be like, I got to do that. I got to figure out how to do that. Fast and furious driving as we covered last week. Or I've been a martial artist my whole entire life and I'd be like, I want to learn that of how that person flipped that person with just using their thumb. And then you come to realize it's not possible. It's not possible in the natural realm. Movies have special effects. It's what makes impossible missions possible in the movies. But when you're tied to God, you have access to the supernatural. That is the special effects. Now, I'm not one who's a strong advocate of just waiting for a miracle or supernatural, but a Christian or Christians have supernatural influence. Our God is omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. And what that means is he's forever present, he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. And throughout history, we get glimpses of this supernatural ability where God has intervened and showed us these things. There's, there's natural order to the world, and we don't rely on those things that often. And God gives us free will to act on what comes to us. And that response of that, or free will, the reason we, is the reason we have good and evil. But God does intervene. God has intervened. For example, you have access to the supernatural in his intervening of, you, of giving you the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, Scripture tells us you have God within you that guides you and prompts you and gives you wisdom that others don't have. 
You have a spiritual gift. God gives you that. You're granted this gifting from God to help you share God to others. And then you have a God who shows up sometimes and does miracles. They saw this in Acts right away. This is the case. In Acts 3, 16, it says, By the faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Christians are people who have God living with them, gifting them, and showing up to kind of blow their minds. Have you personally believed that? You have a God with unlimited possibilities that without faith in him and his ability, you might not see it. You might not. There's a time in scripture where the disciples, they're trying to perform a miracle, but they can't. So they ask Jesus, why can't we do it on our own? Why, can't we, why couldn't we do it? In Matthew 17, 20, it says this, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. When you have missions that are impossible, you're to have faith. Faith in a supernatural God. And that faith in a God moves, and he does the impossible. He can lead to a mission accomplished. The mission to reach the nations, it seems impossible to maybe some of us today, but belief that God is supernatural, he's a supernatural God, is necessary to achieve it. As you think about your own personal impossible missions today that are in the realm of what God would want in your life, again for you maybe it's to reconcile your marriage or your financial situation or to rescue where you're at like and find joy again or to he- help bring you healing or understanding or for you to get spiritually deep and close with God again have you had faith and a mindset to believe that you have this supernatural God who can do supernatural things in that area who can guide and prompt you supernaturally i get this seems a bit kind of like hokey pokey in a sense but it's scripture. For you to check yourself to see if you actually do have faith and belief in a supernatural God, as I always try to be as real and practical as possible, is I want to first ask you, are you praying earnestly? As in belief for God to help and intervene, even if it seems impossible. If not, that should change. And then, are you living in a posture right now expectant of God to intervene. If you aren't, you probably have a mindset of a God with limitations. And that is not the God you follow. He might not do exactly what you want because he's God and you aren't, but you should never limit him and your belief in him. So know you have the supernatural. The second thing that helps missions become possible is having something like this. Check it out. Anything happens to them. There's no place that I won't go to kill you. Did you see it? Did you see what it is? It's a team. He has a team. A team is what makes an impossible mission possible. And the team God's given us is the church. You must be in a church or a faith community to accomplish impossible missions. I'm going to be a bit harsh here for a second to specifically Christians. So if you're not a Christian in the room, you just get a little pass right now. You just get to hang out for a little bit. But the church 
is God's plan for Christians to save the world. And to not be a part of a church or actively engaged in one is to both not be obedient to Scripture and to think that you have a greater plan to fulfill the mission of reaching all than God. Check out what Hebrews 10 says about this. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's a command to not neglect meeting each other. Because when you're here, you should be encouraged to live like Jesus. You should be spurred to love and to do good and to desire to change the world. If you aren't getting that here at this church, you probably should go somewhere else. But the church is God's team. It's his missionaries. It's his plan to save the world. Yet we haven't done it yet, right? We haven't done it. And generally speaking, the church of the world, it's declining. It's declining. Like, I hate hearing this, but the church of the world, it's declining. It's getting less. Yet if I'm honest and real with you, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I, I even feel the temptation and desire to not participate in the church sometimes, even as a pastor of a church. Like, to be on a team is messy. To make commitments to be somewhere or to make obligations, it's restricting. To be and to count on others and to carry each other's burdens and to wrestle with different opinions and ways of doing things, for lack of a better word, it stinks. It stinks at times. It feels easier to do our personal lives on our own, to just do faith how we want to, instead of in a church. Honestly, that's been a bit of a temptation for me with a lot of things lately. To share a little more about me lately, uh, lately I've been turning into, I, I was trying to think of how I'm going to call it or describe this, I'm turning into like a free-spirited Aaron lately. I'm free-spirited Aaron lately. It's kind of how, I'm, I don't mean that harshly, but I have like this free spirit about myself lately where I'm like, I don't want to be dependent on others. I just want to do my own thing. I want to raise chickens. I really do. I want to raise chickens because I want my own eggs. They got expensive, right? I want to raise chickens and I want my own eggs. I want to plant all the things that I eat. I, want to do, I just want all my food to be planted. I'm look, my Facebook like, history must be showing like, that I'm looking up hydroponic stuff because it keeps popping up like advertisement over after advertisement after, after advertisement. I want to just learn all the trades myself so I never have to rely on others. I want to homeschool our kids so we never have to trust what others may do or say to them. These are things that are kind of like all the rage right now. Lots of people like have this desire for like a little homestead and like they'll say like, I'm so overwhelmed, but then it's like, let's make the garden bigger, start seeds indoors, hatch 80 chicks, bake more bread, homeschool the kids and buy a milk cow maybe, right? Now it's not wrong to do these things, nor even to do all of these things because I do really want chicken. I do. But to live with a mentality where you do not need others or that you should just do life on your own is both not what God wants, it's not what he planned, and it's not the way the mission is to be fulfilled. God's church is his method to saving the world. He commissioned his first church, his disciples in Matthew 28, to go save the world. And that's what we saw. They, they go and they witness. And thousands came to follow Jesus because of them. As a Christian person, 
You are to continue it, not stop it because of what, what we culturally think we need in our time period. We aren't to stop the movement because of like what maybe feels awkward or what we're desiring in the moment. Because relationships are, like, are just harder these days, so I can't, I can't do the church thing. Or our opinions, opinions are just so rampant these days. Like I, I, People's opinions irk me the wrong way. I can't be a part of a church. Or, no, like I'm just too introverted. It's not any of those things. Those shouldn't stop you from fulfilling God's mission. You are to fulfill God's mission by being a part of a church. What that means is showing up, to be around others, to worship. It's to be in a place that's encouraging each other to live out God's ways for both others' sake and for your own sake. What that means is serving a church or serving at a church, giving people an opportunity to grow and worship God easily and in a welcomed way, especially if we're trying to grow the church. What that means is missionaries going out as a church, serving the community, serving the world. What that means is giving to a church to help make things happen. A little side note, like 10% of what's given here goes to missions of some sort. And we use those funds to missionally try to reach people here in Fond du Lac, what we see as like our Jerusalem. And then today, our Judea and Samaria is kind of like the states and the neighboring bigger metropolises. And then the ends of the earth is is missions overseas, right? Or missions elsewhere. A few weeks ago, you maybe heard me say that we helped pay for the foundation of a church in Kenya. Um, here's kind of a picture of it, just to give you kind of an update. And then uh, I have an update from George, the pastor there, that kind of just explains what's happening. Pastor Aaron and the Center Point Church. Good morning. My name is Pastor George, Bishop George Oyaro. I'm the founder of the Gospel Believer Celebration Church. And we thank God so much for the donation so we thank god that uh, you were touched by god to give us money uh, to be able to raise this church this is going to be a, a big church uh, and many souls will be transformed and many people will come here and we thank you so much for choosing to partner with us they are reaching people these lost people groups through the giving that we're able to do because of your giving we are directly making the mission of god possible in this way you're to give financially to a church because it helps fulfill the mission of god the church makes impossible missions possible even personally, your own impossible missions, the church is the solution for it. If we go back to what Hebrews says, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The church is your motivation. It's your encouragement to not give up. It's the place where you find hope in, in knowing that God can help your marriage. God can help your relationship with others. God can help you in your addiction or with your life. You get some of that in the messages here on Sundays or conversations that happen with people out and about or just people that you meet, but you also can get it through face stories. We, on our YouTube page, we have like a, a playlist of like 20 or 30 different face stories that have been done here at this church that will help you spur and be encouraged to reconcile your marriage. We've, we have a face story about that. We have a face story about addictions. We have a face story about the struggle. You can hear and be encouraged by people that are part of the church. Whether you are dealing with a personal, impossible mission or wrestling with the one that's been commissioned to us by God, the church is God's tool to make impossible missions possible. To get real and practical with you today and give you like an action step on this, I want to ask you, are you actively engaged with the church? As in attending regularly? You should. 
Are you actively serving? If not, you should. Are you like actively giving? If not, you should. Are you intentionally conversing with others to be encouraged and encourage them? If not, you should. God wants you to be a part of a church. The last tool God has given us to kind of attack our mission impossible is something you can see well in the famous, I, I think it's like one of the most famous mission impossible scenes. Check it out. That takes talent, right? To not scream in fear and to be able to hold that posture, right? It takes talent. In the movie, you have a team, but then what makes up a team is individuals. Individuals who have talent and intellect and hustle and drive and perseverance and grit and ability or the desire to go after the ability that they need to get the mission done. The tool God has given us is all the things that are internally part of you. You have you. We're all different, but our uniqueness is what gets the mission done. I know I don't have to explain this to some of you, but I'm kind of strange. Like, as a person, like, I just like, like unique things. I like doing unique things. And I honestly, I think some of you guys are strange too. So it's, it's fair, right? Um, but, but here are some of the strange things about me that I thought I'd just share with you. I love to stay up late and research how to do new things like all the time. I'm always like reading about some weird thing so that I can learn something new. I like to hustle and sell a lot of my used stuff so I have more funds to buy more stuff, right? So I can try new things. I reach out to others to learn about something I don't know how to do. I'm willing to try anything twice, not just once, twice. I'm willing to share my flaws because I know they help others. I'm one who's super competitive. So if there's a challenge from someone or they throw at me, I thrive and I chase after it. These are things about me that are part of my personality, part of my strengths and gifting, which right now we have about like 40 people who are doing our masterpiece class and it's, that, it's meant for that. It's helping you find your strengths. Uh, if you're not doing that right now, watch for that in the fall. I'd love for you to go through that. But God created me and me, flawed and all, I still have unique skills and drive and desire that I can contribute to making the mission possible. A favorite verse of a lot of people is the Jeremiah 29, 11 verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's a true verse because you were created with a plan and the plan is for you to contribute to the mission. And although you maybe have a mission that seems impossible, if you're here thinking right now, like, maybe, maybe it could be possible, though, because of God, because of the church, because I can still do something about it. I still have a drive or desire to do something about it. That openness in your mind is you using what God has gifted you with. It's the same with the mission of God and reaching all people groups. It seems impossible, but with us as individuals and our unique skills and desires and abilities, such as maybe, maybe you have a unique skill with the ability to connect with others really well. 
Maybe you have a unique ability to learn another language and you can reach a people group. Maybe you have an ability to earn funds and support missions. Or maybe you have an ability to encourage others locally to go. Maybe you have an ability to, to serve the local church in a unique way that helps grow God's kingdom. You see, God's plan for the impossible mission to reach all is you, his church, and his power and direction within you. But it's also with fulfilling your impossible missions as well, that you have those things accessible to you. So again, get really practical and real for today. What's the thing that is unique to you that's telling you like, to stay at it with your mission? Is it to maybe seek help? Is something, something inside you is just telling you to seek help about the mission that's going on in your life? Or put the hard work in, or don't give up, or show up, or speak up, or say sorry, or have faith. What is it that you know that you need to do to make your personal mission possible? As we are in our last few minutes here, I hope you're inspired to tackle impossible missions, using the supernatural, being a part of the church, and being you. Which one do you need to focus on more this week? If you're a Christian today and you believe Scripture, you can know the end will come, that Jesus will return one day, and that the mission he's given us, it'll be accomplished, which is amazing news because it means it's possible. Check out what the last book of the Bible, Revelation, a future telling of what's to come, says about this. It says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The mission will be fulfilled. It's just up to us to play our part. As I close, if you're a person here who is not a Christian, but you have an impossible life mission right now, or, or maybe you, you just want to be a part of accomplishing an impossible mission with a team of others, as amazing as what we just read in Revelation, I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus today. To do so, like we simply need to just say that we're not perfect on our own, but we need Jesus' forgiveness and life direction. And when you internalize that to God in your head and most importantly your heart, you're a Christian. I want to give you an opportunity to do that if that's you right now. But if you've done that before, I also pray that we seek God's mission. We seek to fulfill it and make it possible through our next steps this week. And I'm going to pray that that asking God to help us take that next step if you're a Christian in the room today. Would you pray with me if you're in one of those groups? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us uh, what seems to be an impossible mission, reaching thousands and thousands of people groups. God, we want your message to be, to be seen and to be heard and to be reached. So God, I just pray that you use us, help us realize the tools that we have access to and help us just work on whatever one that is that we need to be more focused on this week so that we can continue to fulfill your mission. And then God, some of us right now are saying we want to, we have our own personal missions right now that feel impossible, but we want you to guide us, help us in some of those impossible missions, help them be God-honoring. And God, some of us right now are saying, God, we just want you in our life to guide us and to lead us. We know we can't do it on our own. We'd, we've messed up on our own, but we believe in who you are and we want to follow you and we want your guidance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.